myself again. Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Braith. It's Wednesday night, which means Malcolm McDonald and John Gibson are my guests. Good evening, gents. Hello, Steve. Good evening. Hiya, John. Hi, boys. Good, good, good to see you both. And uh, it'll be uh, it'll be a different day next week because we have some impending nuptials on the show. And that's uh, John Gibson. You're walking down the aisle next Wednesday. I am indeed, sir. I am indeed. And uh, I think Malcolm is going to run gotch, uh, gun on me just to make certain that I do the right things at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> Malcolm's going to be in the, Malcolm said he might be in the congregation. And if the says anyone got any objections, you want to be careful he doesn't stand up, John. <laughs> well, I've paid him a lot of money. <laughs> Joking aside, John, I hope uh, Not you to and stand your... up, by the way. <laughs> I hope you and your good lady have a fantastic day next Wednesday. And, of course, that means we'll be swapping the show around to Thursday. Um, but looking forward to uh, to doing that next week. And I hope you have a great day, John. Absolutely. Appreciate and it, it Appreciate it. Uh, I hope you have a better day than Steve Bruce did um, at the weekend. Of course, we uh, were looking at the Manchester United fixture last week. And uh, I think, you know, most people predicted some kind of positive scoreline, whether it was a draw or a, or a or a narrow win. Nobody saw a 4-1 defeat coming, Malcolm. Well, no. But uh, for one, the... the... The horrors started for me when I saw the um, when I saw the team prior to kickoff, and I just thought it, it's all wrong. It is absolutely set up to get a, a blasting from Manu, um, uh, and and as as the game went on, <coughs> there is one guy in the Man United side who has been having an absolute nightmare year. The, uh, the centre half uh, that plays for them, and Maguire. Maguire, yeah, um, he's had an absolute nightmare of a time with with what happened over in Greece, and that's still going on in legal terms, and um, uh, uh, and and so then he gets sent off just a few days before the game, playing for England. With with two utterly stupid tackles, and you think, hey, come on, concentrate on on getting onto this fella. His confidence is shot. He, he must be in one of the the unhappiest parts of his life right now. So you go for him. It, it, that's the professional thing to do. And I and I thought for sure that you give it a bit of thought. And the one person who really could give him a nightmare has, has got to be the quickest fella in the club because the fella's big. Uh, um, I'm talking about Maguire. He, he's a big lad and he's a bit cart horsey. Yeah, he's not quick at all. He's not that quick on the turn. So put a little, a little fella there who's just going to dance around him all the while. Um, and, and that person for me, obviously, quickest fella in the club, Almiron. Stick him on. Almiron never got a show. Never got a show when he was the one player who could really crucify Maguire. And 
And as the game went on, I thought, they're just giving Maguire 20 and 30 yards of space. He gets the ball. And, and with every time he got the ball, I just saw his confidence going up and up and up and up. After this shocking time, he comes up for a corner. Nobody marked him. Or if they, if they did at the very beginning, uh, and, and I have my suspicions as to who it might have been, he, Maguire lost them like that. And he just had a free header on the edge of the six-yard box. And you say, oh, come on. This isn't school kids football. This is the premiership. Get it done right. And I just watched the whole thing just falling apart for Newcastle. I saw three players struggling, seriously struggling to even get in the game. Kraft playing at right back. Can't defend, can't get forward, um, can't head a ball because he won't jump. And, and you think, well, what's he doing in the side in the first place? Hayden, I, I, well, I, I kept trying to find him. Um, and then you've got Joe Linton up front. And come on, Steve Bruce. Are you telling me that that Almiron is worse a player than um, Joe Linton? Is that what you're seriously telling us? And that Joe Linton is worth his place in a, in a game against Manchester United at St. James Park. Man United not been having a good time. Maguire having a shocking time. And I, I, I thought it was just handed to Man, Man United on a plate. I really did. I can't remember when I was last so angry before a game, during a game and after a game. And I'm still angry, as you can probably sense. No, no, no wonder, Malcolm. Uh, John, I, I think one of the things that really, really upset me was to see Carl Darlow struggling uh, on the pitch, um, you know, with a considerable amount of time on the clock, motioning and looking to the bench to ask to come off. And Steve Bruce refusing to take him off. I mean, he had Gillespie warming up, for God's sake. He clearly knew what was going on. So once again, um, he, he essentially gambled on the fitness of one of his players, um, you know, to bring an outfield player on, which he didn't bring on until a couple of minutes from the end. So it was pointless anyway. But that was just bizarre. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole thing was, wasn't it? And he also gambled, yeah. if you remember, with, with Hayden. Who, who had a hamstring and, and he, he put him back on until he couldn't run anymore and then brought him off. I mean, the whole of the 90 minutes was an absolute disaster. And uh, having flu caught with, with an own goal, it, it's ought to have. We talked last week about the only chance all three of us that you've got with Manchester United is that you attack them at the back because they're vulnerable across mm. the back and the keeper. You attack them at the back. If you sit back, they're very good going forward. So don't give them the ball. Don't try to absorb all their, their, um, their pressure and get them on a break. That is suicidal. What happens? They have 28 shots at goal, which is the biggest total in the Premier League this season and 
the, the figure that was previously the biggest was held by Spurs. And who were the opposition? Newcastle United. Uh, so that the two biggest total of shots this season in the Premier League in one match has both been against Newcastle United. Carl Darlow, who was a in goal for both mm -hmm. those games, must think he was an Aunt Sally. Uh, he must be shell-shocked. And he, he, he did ever so well in both those games. But it was... I mean, it was, we got off to an absolute flyer. You thought Steve Bruce's luck is holding because we've got a ridiculous OG to put us ahead. Then uh, Bruno Fernandes has a great shot that goes in the top corner and it's ruled off for a fractional offside, if you remember. And you think this is the, the luck holding. But from the moment Maguire did what he did, which Malcolm was talking about, then it was only, um, it may, Three goals may have come in the last 10 minutes. They were always coming. We knew what was going to happen in this game. You can't have another Spurs where you get a 1-1 draw against all the odds. It, it was going to happen, and it's happened badly. And we've got a, I've got a huge worry about tactics, about personnel, etc. And when, we when Mal was talking quite rightly at how Joe Linton starts wide right, before Almirin, and I do understand that Almirin is a lot better bet than him, but surely Fraser was a better bet of the whole lot who had had a terrific week with with Scotland, boosted mm. his, his morale because he was man of the match, and then the next game he scored the winner. He is, we've been shouting from, Bruce has been shouting from to get game time. He gets game time, and then and then he doesn't start him. Um I mm -hmm. can't understand it. It was a it was a disastrous afternoon for us. Completely disastrous. Started by John, um, a disastrous team selection. I, I and oh yes, uh, yeah. I, I thought it was absolute. As soon as I saw the team go up, I just went, "Oh my word!" Newcastle will get hammered. Um, um and I, I I've just. Uh, um, I've just seen a stat there that uh, Joe Linton, um, he actually gave the ball away 17 times um, with, in the 73 minutes that he was on the pitch. To be honest, I thought it was more. I, 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 think, I, think, I think the most damning statistic, Malcolm, is the amount of shots that were conceding in, in particular games. And I think the stat that was ruled out uh, the day after the game was that we are, on average conceding 17.1 shots at our goal right. every game. John's just touched yeah. on it. That yeah. That's that's worse mm -hmm. than when Sunderland went down from the Premier League. Sure, sure. I, I couldn't agree more. The problem is that if you don't, um, as a forward line, occupy the back four, the back four start pushing through you, getting, and then they're pushing the midfield up, and then the midfielder pushing the attack up, and so so Man United they were they were being offered the opportunity to keep getting forward at Newcastle all of the while, and Newcastle um, because because there's so little up front, um, and and there was and there were just massive gaps in midfield. There really were. So so the back four they choose the safe option to drop off which is the worst thing in the world to do. But they're probably looking and saying, what else can we do? 
What else can we do but drop off? Because there's nothing happening in front of us at all. Um, and, and, you know, and I'm looking for back four to, to say, hey, come on, push up, push up, push up. Get Man United as far away from, from the goal and the penalty area as possible. But, in, but instead, we were dropping off and inviting them into, into the penalty area all of the while. You cannot play premiership football doing that. And of course, but then all the starts, oh, sorry, all the stats start to build up, as you've just mentioned, Steve. But because Man United are just being invited in and around the penalty area, of course they're going to fire shots in. They're going to be firing them in left, right and centre. Newcastle United, did they, did they have any serious shots? No, I mean I think that's the big that's the big issue. What what I, what I feel as well, Malcolm, is that Steve um, Steve Bruce keeps keeps saying that he you know he wishes the supporters were there to see it. But I mean, John, I'll put this to you: if the supporters were in the ground at the weekend, I don't think they'll be cheering Steve Bruce on. This is an absolute myth about wouldn't it be wonderful if the supporters went? I'm talking about from Steve Bruce's point of view. We've heard that many times. If the supporters had been in St. James's Park, 50,000 Geordies, with the other 2,000 being the away fans. If there'd been 50,000 Geordies inside St. James's Park for the day they lost 3 0 at home to Brighton and the day they lost 4 1 at home to Manchester United, Steve Bruce's ears would still be ringing now in the middle mm. of the following week. Yeah. Newcastle are very, very lucky indeed that there isn't a crowd in the way they're playing. And I'll ask you two guys one question. Does it not tell us something when last season Newcastle United star man was Dubrovka and this season Newcastle star man is Dolo? Yeah. In both cases, it's, it's goalkeeper and it's because he's worked so often. He has the opportunity, if he's good, in them to prove themselves to be good, to be the star man. It, we had a star man last season and a star man that is a keeper this season. I think that reflects an awful lot about the way we play. Yeah, it does, Malcolm. And, and the, the tactics are non-existent, I feel, at times. Well, they are because tactics are, are four ten outfield players. Newcastle are playing with seven. You know, so how can... How can you how can you get your um, your back four organised? How can you get your midfield organised? How can you get your front line organised? You can't when there are players out there who are just not good enough. I saw a question. Uh, uh, sorry, I, I saw a, yes, a question for me come up. Um, with, would I would I have dropped Joe Linton? No, I wouldn't have dropped Joe Linton, and I'll tell you for why. Because he'd never have signed for the club in the first place. He would never have been here if I had been manager. I would have made sure of that. So I'd never have had the opportunity to drop him. Uh, the, guy, the guy isn't a premiership player. You cannot remain in the premiership playing players who are not good enough. You get found out and found out very quickly, very quickly indeed. Um, and Newcastle in... in um, in the whilst whilst the current owner has, has 
has um, had Newcastle United. They've already been relegated twice because the right things are not being done. And so, in the end, it all catches up with you and you get relegated. And Newcastle, it's happened twice. And I would hate to think that, it, that a third is just around the corner. But at the moment, by heavens, you know, the, just the stats that you've just mentioned, Steve, there is no way that you can survive in the Premiership with stats like that. Um, and, and plus the fact that it's such a mounting pressure all the time on A, the goalkeeper, and B, the defence, um, that in the end, they crumble. And you can't blame them. And The, and the interesting I, thing as well, the interesting... Sorry, boys, the interesting thing as well, I think, is, you know, you look at the, the Newcastle situation and you look at what's coming. And what's coming is Wolves, Everton, Southampton and Chelsea. That's the next four games. Now, how many points are we going to get in those four games? And and so we are in a situation where we're fighting down the bottom, not yeah. looking upwards. I mean, Steve Bruce said that this is a work in progress. I don't know what progress we're making um, <laughs> at all. But this is a work in regret. <laughs> It absolutely, yeah. And but I mean, the incredible thing, the incredible thing, we're going to improve season by season. Well, right, we've finished 13th this season, so we've got to finish higher than that this season around 10, around 11. Do you think, with the way the squad is at the moment, that unless we carried all the luck in the world, and by Jove, we carried it early this season, and I got slaughtered, I think, within the club for suggesting that, because we were carrying luck. Look at the, the, the Spurs game, etc., etc. If we continue like this, we are in a big, big relegation fight. This season, there's absolutely no question. We're not making progress. I tell you who's making progress. Wolves are making progress, who we're going to play on Saturday. Wolves yes. come up after we come up, and, and they've had two seven top finishes in the, at the moment, and we are 13th at the moment. They've made progress. We have not made progress. Yeah. Yes, and, uh, uh, and, and Wolves, they would have had somebody there watching so that they, they had a full report. Of of, um, of how Newcastle are playing, um, and and I have to be honest, for the last couple of seasons, I've thought Wolves are one of the best footballing sides um, that I've seen in the Premiership. They 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 play some exceptional stuff. They really do. Um, so, oh, quite what Newcastle are, are going to uh, are going to do to cope with them um, this coming weekend, I really don't know. Um, but just just going back to to, to last Sunday, uh, um, I'm, I, I am still trying to work out what on earth suggested to Steve Bruce that picking the side that he did would give Newcastle United a chance in playing against Man United. Because as soon as I just looked at the at the team, I just went, ah, 
they're going to get murdered. And, and despite that own goal early on, it was, it was Newcastle being slowly murdered over 90 minutes all the way through. Um, and there was no, there was no spark. There, there was no glimmer of hope for Newcastle, for the players on the pitch, for the supporters all watching on the, on the television. And I saw no urgency happening on the sidelines. Well, one plus no point at all. One plus point, Malcolm, was the fact that not many Newcastle fans did actually watch it on the television, but instead chose to donate the fourteen pound ninety five <laughs> to Newcastle's West End Food Bank, and we raised a fantastic twenty thousand pounds by doing that. Brilliant! Hey, so that there was, was absolutely fabulous. Yeah, at least there was one great result then over over the weekend. Yep, exactly, exactly. Um, a lot of people asking questions, Mal, as we always get. I think I think the only way around it is some of them are always about your career. We'll never have time to touch on that. I think we'll have to do a special with you and John on, on your career at some point and uh, you know, save that for a year when there's an international week. Maybe we'll, we'll look at that. Um, sure. A lot of people asking, how long do you give Steve Bruce? Who would you replace him with? Do you think, do you think Malcolm, that's actually in Mike Ashley's mind at the moment? Because... You know, he will be looking at this. He's given him some money to spend. He's allowed him to break the uh, the club tradition of signing players young enough to sell on. And, you know, is he going to stick or is he going to twist? Me and John were talking off air before we came on. Mike Ashley's not the kind of person to gamble and, and sack managers. He tends to let them stay a little bit too long. And mm -hmm. uh, we saw that with McLaren. Is it going to be the same with Bruce? Or do you think he's going to make a decision because of the strange times we find ourselves in at the minute? I don't think he wants to make a decision um, at all because, uh, um, for one, if he were to sack him, then then he would, then he's um, one. He's got to, he's got to then uh, do a deal and make a payout to Bruce, and I don't think he'd want to make a payout in the slightest. Um, and and then secondly, he's then got to got to go through the process of, of hiring. A, a new manager and getting it right this time um and i'm not sure that he's all of all that interested to be honest um I, I i don't think he wants to expend the energy on newcastle united i think he's got a lot of other things to get on with um you know that all businesses are struggling in in the time that we've been in um these last few months and 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 i have no doubts that that his business which is worldwide um it is having its problems so he'll be uh, um severely looking at that he, he doesn't want to get involved with newcastle united I, I really can't see that john what's your take on this dilemma that mike ashley has because he's he's given he's given the checkbook to steve bruce in a in a roundabout kind of way we all know mike ashley never really spends money it's uh, the way the figures are fudged to make it look as if he spent a fortune when in fact he hasn't but at least he's brought players in who we who we all feel probably under a different manager would probably be playing quite well as a team um is he gonna sack steve bruce Good question. We have, we have in recent times at this spent, and it's not me support Ashley, I absolutely want to emphasize because I'm a huge critic of him. But we have spent a hundred million on forward players 
Jolinton, Aaron, Wilson and Maximum. We've spent a hundred million and we don't try to attack to start with. To start with, are these guys wasted? Take Jolinton out of the situation. Are these guys, Amir and Wilson, Maximum, wasted? Because we don't attack, but we have spent a hundred million. Will Ashley sack Bruce? I don't think so. Uh, at this given moment I'm not saying whether he should or not I'm talking about whether he'll do it or not Remember, and you mentioned it Steve Remember how late he sacked McLaren In the season we went down He almost waited till the death till Well he waited until it was too late um, And then sacked him He, he doesn't sack managers um, mm. He gives managers too long to be truthful and maybe it is because he doesn't know where to go and get the next one and if the guy that's managing the club was his appointment and is working the club the way Ashley once it worked then he sticks with the guy and I don't think this early in the season you will get Mike Ashley willing to do anything about the Newcastle United manager in the old days before I it happened. I mean, was Bobby Robson, bless him, they'd got about four games, maximum five games, into a new season before he got the sack. And this was a manager that had done wonders for Newcastle United. And yeah. So I don't think it's going to happen. Will Steve Bruce walk out? Certainly not. Um, so I think we're going to be stuck with this until the writing is on the wall in 10-foot-high letters next year. Um, if it is, and God forbid that it is, before something's done. The big problem well, is, Malcolm, as John Noble points out, would any real manager good come uh, come to Newcastle if the takeover happens? They could be sacked. Um, <clears throat> it, 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 football managers are always willing to take that chance. Always, they're gamblers, and um, and plus the fact. <clears throat> because what they'd be saying to themselves would be, I'm going to get in there, and if the takeover happens between now and that takeover, I am going to prove that I, uh, I am the man for the job. And, and so, uh, um, so there are plenty who would go, um, who would really want to go for it. Um, I, I, I saw questions being asked, well, who would you bring in? What about the fellow that was at Bournemouth last season? I think he's a terrific manager. Eddie Howe. Um, Eddie Howe. What he did for um, for Bournemouth in these last few years has been absolutely, utterly outstanding. Despite them getting relegated last season, it had to come in the end. Good heavens above. There, there was a, a premiership club with 11,000 gates. You know, that they were always going to struggle uh, um, at, at some point or other. And it came last season. He left. And for me, he would be an obvious one to go for. Yeah, I mean, a lot of suggestions coming in. Um, some people have even suggested going back for a manager that's worked under Ashley so they know what to expect, like a Sam Allardyce or, a, or an Alan Pardew. No, no, no. that's... It, it's all oh, yeah it's 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 utterly no. piecemeal is that you know look if if you if you're gonna take the decision for bruce to go which i don't think will happen um in all honesty 
if you're going to make that decision, you have to know where you're going, who you're after. Um, and, and even to the point where you, you, you have a quiet word in, in an ear or two to find out if, if, if the people you want are genuinely interested. What would you say, John? Would you like to go back to one of those old faces? I certainly would not, mate. I've got the scars to prove that I lived through that and I don't need any more, thank you very much. Uh, no, no, I wouldn't. If I'd had to go back to anybody, and I would never go back to anybody, I'd rather have gone back to Chris Hutton if he hadn't got the job at Nottingham Forest because he was an honest manager that handled the, the Ashley situation brilliantly and got the sack yeah. for it. Brought us up in Sunderland 5-1 and got the sack. If I had had to go back to anybody and even doing that, and not another Ashley man, but the person I would have gone back to would have been Chris Hutton. I think we've got to look beyond that. And yes, you've got a situation where the takeover might be on. Please, God, may it be on. Um, who do you go for? Eddie Howe is a standout guy for a lot of people because of the magnificent job forgetting the relegation at the end he did at Bournemouth mm -hmm. the only thing that would be uncomfortable for some people with Eddie Howe is the one time he's he's ventured away from Bournemouth is when he went to Burnley and he found life very uncomfortable at Burnley and, and quickly left Burnley um, if I had to take somebody who was available now and by the way this wouldn't come but I would take Pochettino but mm. uh, I can't imagine him coming to Newcastle and Ashley. Yeah. I but uh, I would like to have a pop for him. Sure, I understand that, John, mm. and I, I would totally agree. But I seriously think that he knows exactly where he's due to go fairly soon, and it ain't Newcastle. Yeah, I think it'll I be Man United. Yeah. But there would have had to be a takeover There's to get Pochettino, wouldn't it? Yeah. He might have come with a takeover. Yeah. But Manchester United are flying now. We give we have given them all such a, a, a confidence booster at Newcastle. They went and took out PSG and mm. said, uh, in midweek. They, yeah. they, they're back cooking on gas. Yes, absolutely, John. I couldn't agree more with you. I just want to say a big thank you, as always, to our sponsors, uh, and that's uh, qtechshop.co.uk, uh, uh, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End in the northeast of England, and to Darren Baldwin Funerals, of course, local independent family business, 24-hour uh, service. Big thanks to you guys as well. We do have a few tickets remaining for the Christmas due, which, of again, is in aid of Newcastle Food Bank, uh, big thanks to Stuart Penman and George Mitchell, who both bought tickets last night uh, and donated the tickets to the people who work at the food bank um, so they could have a Christmas night out for all the hard work and effort over these testing times. So last few tickets available. We're only allowed 80 people in the venue. That will be www.newcastlelegends.com if you would like. Uh, to come along and see a few of the guys and girls who do the show uh, all going to a good cause. So uh, big thanks to that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the European Super League, Malcolm. Um, we've had the big six and the big picture and the big projects. Now we've got uh, quite quickly um, off the back of that, 
um, a European Super League being mooted and talked about. And it was weird because Steve Hastie and Neil Mitchell, who uh, usually have that their hands and fingers on the pulse, um, they were speaking about this last Friday, saying they wouldn't be surprised if the next thing you hear is a European Super League. And sure enough, a week later, there we go, that the suggestion. And what did you make of all of that? They've been mooting a European Super League for, what now, two or three decades. And I, personally, I, I could never see it happening. Um, it, it's going, that would be, that would be um, football becoming way, way, way too elitist, way too elitist. Um, and, and, and from what I understand, um, of what was going on with Liverpool and what have you, that uh, um, that they wanted a, a closed shop. How can you have a closed shop when there are, you know, it, it would be like saying, well, there's no relegation from the Premiership. There's no promotion from the Championship. Nonsense. Football is about competition. And if there isn't the carrot uh, um, on, hanging from that stick, you don't get you don't have competition because it's competition is about taking it further and up and further up um and and if you're not if you're not going to get promoted then then there is no real true competition um and and so i cannot see it working at all if it does um and i know this is this is quite a bold statement but i i think the game of football as we know it, nationally and internationally, um, I, I think it will it, it will change so much that it will almost become unrecognisable. You know that uh, to, you know we're talking about being afraid of, of of relegation with what we saw last weekend. Imagine if there wasn't any relegation. Uh, you know, and and if and if you're not fighting against relegation, what? Um, where's the incentive to really put everything you can into the club and, and the football you play? Uh, I um, oh, I'm just seeing a comment there. Joey Barton would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if that's the case. I'm now disinteresting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John, what was your take on the European Super League idea? Well, it, it's greed prevails yet again. What Malcolm was talking about, uh, you know, competition, etc., etc., is absolutely on the nail. What what is being mooted, Malcolm, is that there would be no relegation out of this European Super League for. 20 years the oh, initial no. clubs that went into the league would be guaranteed to stay in that league for the next 20 years so all you're going to get is Barca against Bayern and Real mm -hmm. Juventus until you're absolutely sick to death of it what you're never going to get is the incentive of newcastle united's wonderful night against barcelona when they beat them for two when they played juventus in the in the bobby rocks neighbor you're going to take all that romance out of the the whole of that league and sure. it, 
isn't football a romance? Isn't it about dreams? Isn't it about what we all hope and aspire to? No relegation mm -hmm. for 20 years. I don't care how good those clubs are. You're going to get bored out of your skull watching the, the same fixtures for the next 20 years. It, it, it's Now, I can see why uh, clubs like Liverpool, uh, etc., have and are supporting this with American owners in America. American sport often doesn't have yes. relegation. That's one of the things they don't have in their sport, and and they want that here. It, I think, it would be a disaster. Not, I think, it would be a disaster for the clubs that's in it with twenty years without without yes. relegation because they're not going to increase the size of it too much. And I think it's going to take away the dreams. Of so many of us um, to towards playing. What happens to the champion? Does that mean the Champions League, as you know it now, is dead because it's been replaced by the European? That's going to be my next question. Or does John. it? Yeah, yeah. What 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 happens to that? Is that left what? for the rest of us to just fight over? The, you know, or does or does that die death? I don't think the Super League will happen. But at some stage, it's obvious that the top, top clubs in England are hell-bent taking away from the as we know it, adding up their own self-centred competition in one way or the other. We've had the big picture thing. We've now got the Super League. They are intent on breaking away one way or another, without, it, without doubt. Mm. I don't think it'll happen this time. But that's their utopia, and I don't think it's utopia at all. No, me neither. Uh, good to get your points on that, and thanks to everybody in the chat for uh, giving us theirs as well. Uh, the squad was announced, guys, uh, this week. Our final 25-man squad for the Premier yeah. League. It uh, read as follows: Dubravka, Clark, Dummett, Shaw, Lascelles, Carroll, Shelby, Joe Linton, St. Maximin, Richie Gale, Wilson, Hayden, Lewis. Hendrick, Kraft, Fernandez, Manquillo, Fraser, Yedlin, Murphy, Almiron, Darlow, Gillespie and Sean Longstaff. And as we discussed last night, the eagle-eyed amongst you would have realised that Matty Longstaff was yeah. omitted from the list. But that was only because he was an under-21 player, which means that he doesn't count towards the 25, but he can still play in the Premier League. So, okay. as I expect. As expected, guys, there was no place for the senior players, Rolando Ahrens, Christian Atsu, Artraf Lazar or Henry Savier. And I think probably the big surprise, if you can call it a surprise, um, uh, was, was that we had um, Yedlin back in there. Yedlin, of course, was surplus to requirements in the transfer window. We tried to move him on, but didn't manage to. So thoughts on that, Malcolm? It was... I think the, the Matty Longstaff, Matty Longstaff thing surprised you a little bit, but once it once you realise why, it, it yeah, makes more yeah. sense. Yes, because it would have been outrageous to have left him out. But uh, no, I, I I didn't realise that he was still under twenty one. Um, I I was I was just looking though at that list, and I'm and looking at the the right backs in there, and I re I remember back to to uh, playing with uh, David Craig at right back and uh, Irvin Natris could fill in there. And these guys, they could defend, brilliant defenders. And I'm looking at, at, at 
what there is in the Newcastle squad, there isn't a defender to be had in that number two spot. The, the, the lack of defending, the bad defending, my word, uh, um, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's quite frightening, you know, that, that by all means get guys who are good at going forward, but Kraft doesn't give you that much. Yedlin, there's no real um, end quality to it. So what, what are they doing in the club? Why are they there? If they can't defend and they can't attack, I, I, for the life of me, I, I really do think that one of the things that needs to happen um, at St. James Park is that whatever scouting system they have, it needs to be scrapped and started all over again. Yeah, you're not going to get any arguments off me on that. John, what was your take on the squad, uh, the final 25 squad announcement this week? Very predictable. A slight eye with Yedlin um, because he was out if they could have got him out. But there was a spare place and somebody's got to uh, be in it. And I suppose it was a toss of a coin. I mean, when... You, the people that aren't in it, we wouldn't expect to be in it. But doesn't it tell you something about Newcastle's scouting system and the length of contracts they give when Henry Savat is still at Newcastle United, when we haven't seen him in the first team for about three or four years, if we can remember when we last saw him, who's going to pick up wages at least until January for doing nothing apart from training every day. Um, but he was given such a long contract, he's still officially a Newcastle United player. Lazar is in exactly the same position. And as for Rolando Aarons, how on earth two professional football clubs and a professional manager can have a transfer which was him to Huddersfield Town and submit the paperwork two minutes after the transfer deadline so it wasn't that it wasn't accepted and the transfer hadn't gone through how unprofessional is that and how did that come about it is an absolute nonsense and these guys now just as Jack Cole this season now just twiddle their thumbs and pick up good cash from Newcastle United at least until January and probably until that contract runs out. Malcolm, I'm going to ask you one question that uh, Sean Foreman, I'm sure he's asked it a few times on the uh, on the show, and that was, when you signed for Newcastle, were, was there any other teams looking uh, looking at signing you, Malcolm? He was just interested to know if, if if you had to make a decision. Was there any other teams sniffing around uh, for your signature in, the, in that uh, spell? Yes. Um, on the Easter Sunday... Um, Alex Stock, the manager of Luton, uh, he took me to the middle of the pitch and um, and, and he said, uh, well, old son, uh, we're not going to get promoted and um, and therefore um, it, that means that we've got to sell our, our, uh, our biggest asset and that's you right now. So you're on your bike at the end of the season. He said, um, and I can tell you, he said that there are three... Uh, three first division clubs interested in you and that's uh, Chelsea, Man United um, and uh, and Newcastle United. He said just keep sticking it in the old onion bag between now and then he said and um, he said and then you can uh, skin them for everything you can get. <laughs> 
Um, so, yeah, they were the three clubs that were interested in me from the Easter towards the end of the season. Newcastle moved very quickly, I have to say, um, very quickly indeed. And uh, and at the time, uh, it, it, it was only a short while previous that they had uh, won a European competition. And so, yeah. uh, you know, it, 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 it seemed a really good move. For me, I took the advice of... Um, of, of some very experienced players, uh, sorry, very experienced people in the game. Um, Harry Haslam for one uh, um, and one or two others. And and they, they all said, hey, get yourself to Newcastle. You do great up there. And, and that's how it worked. So I've, I've got no regrets whatsoever. But those other two, Man United, um, I, I, I would have, signed for Chelsea and I'm a Fulham supporter so um, that's really <coughs> saying something I would have signed for Chelsea before Man U. Man, <coughs> Man U had a lot of huge names but they were all aging and I it just wasn't a situation that I fancied. Um, it, 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 I felt that, that Man United needed a massive turnaround, which is, of course, what came about. Uh, but it, it took a long while to do it. Um, and and so mm, from the from me having my first real deep think about the whole situation, Newcastle were always favourites. Always. It's all it's all very well with hindsight, Mal, as well. But Martin just says, would you have stayed at Newcastle if Joe Harvey had remained as manager, do you think? More than likely. Absolutely, yes. And I, I couldn't believe it when they sacked Joe Harvey, for heaven's sake. In the space of about, oh, I think it was four or five days, John, you might be able to correct me. But uh, <clears throat> they gave Frank Clark um, a free transfer um, and literally unceremoniously booted him out of the club um, and then a few days later they they sacked Joe and uh, and he, he, if you cut him he would have bled black and white Joe Harvey wouldn't he absolutely, absolutely no question about that at all I mean it, it was it was horrendous and what made it doubly horrendous is who we got next of course oh. uh, it was it was bad enough getting rid of Joe, but then the next question is, do you get somebody better or at least as good? And, uh, of course, we got Gordon Lee, who Malcolm absolutely adored and uh, Terry Hebbett absolutely <laughs> adored. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was a whole new game, big man. Uh, it, it, the, the, guy, the guy was bizarre. Um, in in what he did, in what he said, um, and as a football manager, there is there's probably two or three or four golden rules. But one of those is you do not have favourites. You can like players and you can dislike players, but you never allow that to to uh, uh, to cloud your judgment in any way at all um and uh, i would evenly pick players who i didn't get on with that well as as long as they were doing the right job um for the team and for the club gordon lee had favorites 
and he literally divided the dressing room into two and uh, and a divided dressing room uh, is not a good place to be it really isn't um, and you know that sooner or later the whole thing uh, will just explode and so I got out before the explosion Fair enough. Uh, look, guys, well, we'll definitely do uh, something during the next International Week with Malcolm and John. I know a lot of the people who tune into this show, um, you know, supported the, the team when Malcolm was playing. So I think it's only right that we have a, a, a look back at some of those uh, great times when Malcolm pulled on the number nine shirt and when John, of course, was schmoozing with all the players and uh, living life to the full. Uh, that was before he got tied down and married, of course, which, of course, is happening again <laughs> next Wednesday. And... Uh, uh, let's not forget, John. Uh, mission accomplished for Mrs. Gibson. Game over for Mr. Gibson. Uh, <laughs> Where did that come from? Where did that well, come from? I'm very, I'm, hey, you know me, John. I'm quite quick with the old designs, mate. I'm quite quick with the old designs. Um, let's let, let's look ahead. <laughs> let's look ahead to uh let's look ahead to the weekend's game. Um we've got Wolves as we've already mentioned. It's uh, a Sunday game this week. It's a half past 4 kickoff and we don't have to pay 15 pound to watch it. Um which is which is a blessing uh, in disguise. It's not pay-per-view, but um yeah, Malcolm, it's uh, it's it's out of the frying pan and into the fire I think with this one. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Um uh, the football that uh, Wolves play at times, it can be absolutely scintillating. Um, uh, and they've just won away from home, uh, one nil. They've kept a clean sheet, you know, and and all of a sudden it, it, it let them way up the table, those three points. Um, and, and that's how it goes at the beginning of the season. But I have got all of the respect in the world for what's going on there at Molyneux. And uh, and I think Newcastle are really up for it. You know that I, I just think uh, um, that confidence is, is is a major issue for players. It it's a vital thing to have in your armory. Where's the confidence of Newcastle? Where are the conf Where's the confidence in the players? You know that that you you've got a goalkeeper who's making more who's making probably three or four times more saves than any other goalkeeper in the premiership um and 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 still four go past him and he's having an absolute blinder um and so he he must be thinking oh my word you know it's like the alamo every time i go out on the pitch um and the back four must be thinking quite similar and they and and when they've got the ball at their feet, what's happening ahead of them? There's so little that's going on. Um, and, and I think, well, it, it must be demoralizing to be going out on a pitch in that side just at the moment. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it, it never happened against Brighton. It, didn't, it certainly didn't happen against Man United. And so, and so it's going on at the moment and 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 so some someone in the club and really it it should be the manager he's got to turn all of that around and 
get some confidence into the players, get them organised for one. And if players are organised, they will feel confident. Um, but you've got to play the right players in the first place. You can't send out people who aren't good enough for this level and expect everybody else to do the covering for them and still keep the whole side together. It doesn't work. And we have seen enough lessons. When Brighton come to St. James Park and win 3-0 and Newcastle don't get a shot on goal, Newcastle United have got major, major problems. Yeah, John, it's, uh, it is a, a tough game at the best of times, Wolves, but when you're coming off the back of a 4-1 cuffing at home to Man United, um, it's like looking down the barrel of a gun. There, there's absolutely no question about that. Uh, there's so many problems that have got to be solved, and as Malcolm has indicated, really got to be solved before personnel. You've got to pick the right team. What mm. is the right team? you certainly got to change it from the weekend. You've got Almirin waiting to play. You've got surely Ryan Fraser has yeah. got to start a Premier League game shortly. Went to mid-October. He was you know, trumpeted as one of our saviours when he signed on a free transfer. And he had a tremendous relationship with Wilson from a couple of seasons back when... <laughs> Bournemouth were really firing, surely, and he's never been injured, he's not recovering from an injury in any shape or way or form. He has got to start this weekend. You would think he's got to look at the side, he's then got to look at the tactics. We are far too timid. We are scared of our own shadow. We are scared of losing. And you don't win games by being scared of losing. And we've got to start winning games against quality sides, not against the poor sides. Uh, so Steve Bruce has got to get his personnel right and he's got to get his tactics right before we kick off. And there are two major things where he's getting massive criticism from fans and understandably so. Uh, we have got to have a totally different... You know, he's sort of saying we can't go gun-ho, etc., etc. We're not asking that. What we are asking to try to get over the halfway line on occasions and take the game to the opposition. Because unless you do that, you don't get three points regularly. And Newcastle don't play that sort of way. And then they get lucky on occasions, like Spurs and come away with a point. Um like the results have gotten the League Cup. We're in the quarterfinals of the League Cup. But apart from the seven against Morecambe, when did we play well? We certainly didn't play well against the were from the Championship. We certainly didn't play well against Newport, who were from League Two. We got lucky. We can't keep getting lucky. And the luck stopped on Saturday against Manchester United. And it will probably continue that way against Wolves. We've got to change the side and change the tactics give us a chance before kickoff because as malcolm mm -hmm. said we didn't have a chance before we kicked off against manchester united oh I, you, I, I, for once john i i I didn't, I didn't watch the game from home um although i i could have done um but i chose not to and i'm and i i watched the game with some 
with, with some friends. When the team went up, it was such a noise that everybody made. They just groaned. It was one of the loudest groans I've ever heard. And they and everybody in that room have all been connected in football non-league and in the main. Um, and and they just absolutely groaned. They said, and, and, and everybody was saying, can't play that side. Can't play that side. It's got players in who just are not good enough. Why, Steve Bruce, tell me why you keep picking these players who obviously aren't good enough? Answer this question. Would they, in because Steve Bruce played uh, Norwich, Man United, um, played at the very top of the game. Steve... Of, of the three players that I've mentioned, Kraft, uh, um, uh, Hayden, and Joe Linton, would those three even have got in the reserve side of the clubs you were at? And my, uh, my thinking is, no, they would not. So why are they in Newcastle's first team now when they wouldn't have got in Norwich's reserve side? When he was yep. playing there. The interesting thing, Malcolm, as well, the interesting thing when you I check the the stats week that my memory wasn't playing tricks with me. Since he signed for Newcastle United, Joe Linton, since he signed for Newcastle United, he has featured in every single Premier League game Newcastle United have played. He's either started or he's come on as a sub. He hasn't not come on. He's either started right. or come on as a sub. So every Premier League game Newcastle have played since Joe Linton arrived, he has taken part in. And he's got two goals at home generally has been so patchy as to be untrue how is that happening how does he play every single game but that during that spell have not well john all i can think is that there is either something in his contract or somebody above steve bruce is dictating the situation and saying we bought him we want to we want to get our money back he's got to play and for him to at times to come on when he was on the substitute bench, he was coming on and not required at all. Why? So why bring him on, for heaven's sake? But um, I, I, I watched, I watched on Sunday, and Joe Linton was so far out of his depth. And I, I, I found myself almost being sorry for him because of the fact that the game was going on around him. If the ball came to him, he kept losing it, kept giving it back to Man United. And you think, oh, for heaven's sake, come on. The one thing you've got to be able to do in the premiership is just hold on to the ball, retain possession. And he can't do it. And, and, yeah. and you two things, to, two things I would like to mention. Two things I would like to, to mention, Malcolm, is 
you know, we're saying why has Joe Linton taken part in all these games? Yeah. I tell you what, picking picking bad players gets managers the sack. You've been a manager, Malcolm. You know the risk it's run because that's where the book stops. Picking bad players get managers a sack. And I remember years ago going down to Liverpool and living for three days in a hotel down there to spend the three days with Bob Presley, who at that time was the most decorated manager mm -hmm. in yeah. the English game because of the number of European Cups he'd won. He was ahead at that time of Fergie in the most decorated manager. Sure. And and you one of the questions what is what is the secret of your success? One of the things you said, Malcolm, was as a manager you are at some time going to sign bad players. But what managers sometimes do is try to justify yeah. signing them by mm -hmm. keep playing them in the hope they're going to come off. He says what you should do if you sign a bad one and you play him and you see it, it isn't working is get rid of him so quick the fans forget that Absolutely. he was here in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, no, very good points, lads. Uh, as, as always, the uh, the clock has beaten us. Uh, just got time for uh, a quick prediction from you both for the Wolves game at the weekend. Ooh, I, I think we lose, unfortunately. And despite everything, I always want Newcastle to win every match they play, despite who owns them or manages them or whatever. But I think we lose I'm going to one and I take no joy in saying that okay. all right I, I presume the same question is coming my way it Steve. is Mal all right well Newcastle I can't see how they're going to score John because they don't shoot you know unless unless Wolves kindly <laughs> score an own goal like Manchester United did I was um, going to say let, I was yes yeah so I it um, for me, it's Newcastle nil. Um, it's however many Wolves get, and it wouldn't surprise me if they got two or three. I'll say two nil to Wolves, um, and uh, uh, and hopefully the alarm bells start to ring at St James Park when it happens. We'll leave the final word to John Justice Allen. He says, "Good luck for your big day, Gibble. We probably won't see you next week as he'll be under the thumb." <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, big thanks again to uh, Darren Baldwin and to Q-Tech uh, again for their sponsorship. Please, if you've enjoyed tonight's show, uh, give the video a like by clicking the little thumb. Uh, and if you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel. It, it is free to, to do that. And if you, you're feeling a little bit generous, click the join button and you can donate a few quid. But uh, as always, I've been Steve Wraith. It's been a pleasure to have John Gibson and Malcolm McDonald join us. Good luck for your wedding, John. Have a great day next Wednesday, and I look forward to seeing you two gents next Thursday evening. Great stuff. All right. And I look forward to seeing you on Take Wednesday, care, John. Look after me, Take pal. <laughs> You'll need it. <laughs>